Welcome back to Series E. I'm Shoshana Swell, and this is where founders raise their Series E round of experience. Today's episode has Chi Wen, who founded a company called Purpose Tea. This company is the first to bring purple tea to market and a brand that has an amazing social mission that is empowering women around the world. I am so excited to share this episode with you and think it's so valuable for anyone who's looking to start a business or just working on something they're super passionate about and wants to learn how to bring this harmony into their into their business. So before I get into this and we learn about purpose tea and the purple tea and everything surrounding this brand, I just wanted to remind you this week to do something that elevates your Series E. What type of experience or fun can you bring into your work or something you're passionate about and share it? So without further ado, let's get into the show. So Chi is passionate about health, wellness, and empowering women in communities all over the world. When she founded Purpose Tea, she had one mission, to provide consumers with beverage choices that power healthier lives while also empowering the most impoverished in the business of tea, female tea workers. Chi's experience consulting Fortune 1000 companies in business strategy, brand positioning, and marketing will be instrumental in growing Purpose Tea into an influential social impact brand that aspires to a vision of goodness for people, profits, and planet. Welcome, Chi, to Series E. Oh, thank you, Shoshana, for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to have you here, and I love that little ring. Chi oh. to Series E. <laughs> yeah, I know. It rhymes, for sure. It's awesome. So the first little episode um, of this, we're going to get into the seed round. So basically, we're going to lay a foundation of who you are, where you're from, so we can get into the journey a bit later. So the first thing I want to know more about is where are you from and where are you right now? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was born in Vietnam and my first memories are of the States. And so I lived, um, you know, I got here when I was about three or the timing's a little sketchy, um, three or four and, um, and I'm 45 now. So I've lived in the United States most of my life. Um, and currently I'm in Dallas, Texas. So right in the center of the country and the height of the pandemic right now. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, kind of a hot spot. But here we are. Here we are. Just curious, is anything um, within your childhood kind of brought you to your business today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's actually the most formative piece of why I started uh, Purpose Tea. So, um, you know, as an as an immigrant founder and just, you know, that I draw upon my experiences as um, as 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 an immigrant family, right? And so, when we came to the country, we didn't have um, we didn't have anything. Uh, you know, we had to come here. You know, parents had to learn a new language. Literally, had nothing. So we had to start from from nothing. And so that instilled in me not just this sense of hard work and building, which is what you have to do when you start a business, but it has also shaped my worldview. And that's the reason why I wanted to start a social enterprise. You know. I understood that with access to opportunity, um, that we were able to lift ourselves up. And, you know, it's pretty remarkable when you think about it, like when someone comes over here and they don't speak the language, they don't have anything that start from scratch. You know, my dad had a PhD in Vietnam. He had to come back here and work odd jobs. And, you know, he cleaned offices and he did all kinds of stuff just so his kids could have a better life. And here we are, 
you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I, you know, there's a CEO in the family. Oh, two, including me, there's physicians, there's people who are in, you know, law and other professional um, endeavors. And to think that, you know, to do that in one generation is pretty remarkable, but it shaped my worldview because I knew that when you have access to opportunity, that anyone is able to lift themselves up. So mm -hmm. that worldview really translated into why I started Purpose Tea. And I just have obviously <clears throat> an affinity for many causes, but one of them is empowering women because women, we know that when you, um, when you break down barriers for women and girls, not only do they benefit, but their children benefit, their communities benefit. You can lift a whole state, you know, a whole nation, yeah. right? If, if you help empower girls, I mean, and women, and it's like we, we you know, we, uh, we benefit so much from their contributions. And so let's just make sure that we build a world that they can thrive in. And so that was really, that was a huge part of why I started the company, not only the hard work piece and the building piece, but also the fact that I knew that we didn't get here on our own. Mm -hmm. You know, Pete, there was some help along the way and we were able to knock down some of those barriers and we were able to get access to opportunity. And because we did, you know, we were able to build this amazing life in just one generation and helping others and building jobs and, you know, contributing to society in general. So that's the, I mean, that, that was a huge piece of, of why I started the company. Yeah. And I think if you look anywhere, if you were to see Purpose for the first time on Instagram or your website, it's so apparent how strong your mission is and how you can see that strength and determination across like all aspects of your product. Yeah, I'm super bullish about it. I mean, I, I think it's not a political thing, but I think some people view it that way. And I guess because they just don't have the same point of view, really. And another factor that really helped me in motivating and motivating me to start this business and really focusing on women was a book I read called Half the Sky by Nicholas Kristoff and Cheryl Wudun. I don't know if you've read that book, but if you haven't or if your audience, you know, folks are listening who hasn't, I encourage you to do that because it was just a book, really a, a stories about women all over the world and the challenges that they faced. Um, and I mean, things from sexual violence and, you know, not having access to water and not having access to education because they have their periods and they couldn't afford living in hygiene, just things that I thought, God, that's, can I cuss on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> I literally, when I read it, I was like, that is such bullshit. Like, because someone was born a girl, you're telling me that they can't have access to the same things as, as anyone else. It's mm -hmm. just not okay. And why wouldn't we want them to? I mean, we benefit greatly from women and girls' contributions. So let's just, you know, give credit where credit is due. And so that book really, even though it was a hard read, totally inspired me uh, to focus on women because I knew that it wasn't just about me or my company or making money or anything like that. It was about lifting up mm -hmm. communities, you know? Yeah. And it's so cool to see how you turn to many different avenues and even how a beverage can do this too. So excited to share more about exactly how this works. Have you always been interested in entrepreneurship or when was this first time where you discovered the world of entrepreneurs and everything? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm innately just a really I mean, curious person. I mean, my, my degree was in journalism. I was like in marketing and brand positioning, you know, for most of my professional career. Um, I don't know if I was 
I've always wanted to start a business in my 20s, like I'm 45. I Thank God I didn't start my business when I was in my 20s because I don't have, I, I, where you are, like in your life versus, <laughs> I was like nowhere near, right? <laughs> where where you are and so amazing to see but um but i i have always wanted to to start something to to do the social enterprise i always wanted to help women and and i you know the, a friend of mine she and i were going to be co-founders we came up with all these zany ideas you know and like nothing nothing ever really stuck and then of course life got in the way got married I had a daughter i was consulting and traveling all the time so i was working so hard um it didn't strike me until, you know, my brother who was an investment banker at the time, he said, Hey, you know, what's this? Like, don't you still want to do this thing? And I was like, yeah, I do. But I just haven't thought through what that could be. And mm. um, it was literally over a cup of tea that we were oh. brainstorming. I'm an avid tea drinker. I mean, I knew nothing about purple tea at the time, but I did know that in the business of tea, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of exploitation of workers and workers tend to be women. And so I thought, I'll just do a little more research on this. And so as you know, my consultant brain, I was like, Oh, I just dig really deep into this industry. And, and the more I got into it, I knew that I wanted to start just a mission driven brand, mm-hmm. um, helping women. Wow. Amazing. So can you share a little for anyone who doesn't know um, about purpose to your husband purchased the products yet? What do you offer and how many products do you have right now? So right now we currently um, have eight flavors, but I'm about to just probably get rid of one because in an early stage company, you know, when you have more inventories, just cost more money and all this stuff. Um, but so we have, uh, you know, unsweetened flavors and uh, lightly sweetened flavors. But the most amazing thing about uh, our beverages is that we've uh, commercialized what I think is just the most exciting innovation in tea in a very long time. So I don't know if you're a tea drinker or not, but um, purple tea is what we offer our consumers. And we're the first to commercialize it here in the US. It's a fairly new innovation, but every tea is processed from the green tea bush and you know, green tea, white tea, black tea, all of those things come from um, the green tea bush. But purple tea is actually the leaves of purple. So it's kind of like if you think about pomegranates and acai and blueberries, it's just really high in antioxidants and it has anthocyanins. Just say that, say that four times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's like, I want to do a video where I have people pronounce anthocyanins. That'd be so funny. What happens? Yeah. But um, so it just has healthier properties, right? And so I discovered it when I went to Kenya to do my research on the supply chain and um, the women in the supply chain. And so my host from the ethical uh, tea partnership organization said, Hey, we have this thing called purple tea. And I was like, shut the front door. What is purple <laughs> tea? You know, tell me about it. And so I was so excited because, you know, not only could I differentiate on our mission, but I could also offer our consumers uh, something really different and um, just much healthier for them. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard of purple tea before, which I think is yeah. so exciting. And I, I'm going to ask even more questions about what purple tea is and how that is formulated to within your product. But yeah, where can sure. people purchase pur- purpose? Well, so tea? they can. Um, so we're a fairly new company. We launched in the beginning of 2018. So in terms of brick and mortar distribution, we have, you know, uh, in Texas and in California is our focus. Uh, so if you're in the Texas, California markets in Texas and the Dallas Fort Worth area, we're in Whole Foods. Um, we also have market streets here. 
And then in California, our biggest retailer is uh, the Albertsons chain uh, in Southern California. So, um, mm. so that's where we are, but we can, you can also purchase us online um, on our website, which is purposetea.com. Wow. Amazing. So many places to purchase. What was your first <laughs> retailer that you got into? Yeah. So there is a retailer here. Um, there, the company's called United, but they have different, uh, retail account names under that banner. So they have market street and United and a few others, but the buyer there was such an amazing advocate for us. And he was our first retailer here in Texas. And, you know, he brought on the original three, put us all, you know, put us in all those stores. And then when I launched with new flavors, he took on all eight, which is unheard wow. of unheard of like retailers are normally like I'll give you two flavors you know and I'll put you on the bottom of the shelf mm -hmm. I mean so so like as a small brand you kind of have to really fight for positioning and you know giving them a reason why you should be at eye level and all these things but he was such a great advocate for us and he, he was the first uh, wow. customer congrats that sounds awesome thank you I'm curious so with Series E and on this podcast, a big focus and emphasis is on this sense of balance while building these companies that completely encapsulate your soul and your life. And I'm curious, what is your current self-care routine and even how it's changed across starting your business as well? Yeah, you know, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but so for me, I used to think about work-life balance and when you start a business and it's something that you're building and you're growing, I think of it more as harmony. So when things are going okay or better or something, you know, in your business, then I'm able to relax and, you know, focus on my family and things like that. So I, I try to achieve harmony because there's no way I can achieve balance to be quite honest mm -hmm. in the small amount of time. Right. So I have, you know, married, I have a daughter who's seven and with a pandemic, we've had to like, She's like do schooling from home and whatnot, but, um, which is like, not, I mean, it's just challenging in yeah. general when you're trying to run a company, but, um, so I strive for that. Uh, but I do carve out some, you know, obviously at the end of the day, while my daughter is still awake and before bedtime, I won't take any, I won't do any work. Um, I mean, I say that sometimes <laughs> I fall down on it. I, sometimes I, you know, I'm not great at doing it but but you know it's always like something that I strive for um I work I work out every day because I have I mean I have to or else I'll kill somebody what do um, you do to work out so I do I practice yoga so I'm a big you know yogi and then I also do bar have you heard mm. of bar classes yes yeah so I do that and then I also run you know whenever I get the chance but in Texas it's so freaking hot I just you know whatever cardio I can get my hands on, I'll, I'll do, but I typically try to run. So I have to make sure to do that. Like before I started the company, I had high pressure. I had a high pressure career, but I, I never suffered from anxiety really ever. Um, but now I haven't like, I have like, it's just something that I think as a founder, you're always going to have to experience and manage. Uh, I've come to realize after reading, you know, on uh, keeping up with other founders and just other startup businesses. And um, so how I managed that is just, you know, obviously trying to have harmony between my work and my home life and then working out 
you know, every day. I try to take a little bit of time at night to read and it's not reading about my business, but reading to escape. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so no, I terrible. totally I totally understand. I've read a bunch of books similar to what I'm doing and it feels like mm-hmm. I'm working in that moment and I'm like, okay, right. why am I feeling this way? And I tried to rephrase. I'm like, okay, I need a new book, something new to relax with. Right. I know. It's just, it's so, it's, it's just, it's not that I have to, like, my life is so horrible that I have to escape, but it's just like, just to get my mind off it, like force my mind to get off of um, work because you, I'm constantly thinking about it because at this stage, it's like, oh, if I don't do it, like, you know, who's going to do it? So yeah, exactly. At some point you have to shift that mentality. I mean, I have people who, who work for me and I have great partners and, you know, that help me with marketing and things, but, but at the end of the day, you're the one that's driving it and you're the one that's trying to fully execute on that vision. So it never, it never leaves you and that's okay. I mean, I've, I've come to be okay with that. Yeah. It's always a work in progress. And I'm sure even during this time, you're always going back to certain parts of your routine and intertwining new things to really adapt with the times. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. And I try to spend time with family when, when I can. So, you know, I mean, doing okay. <laughs> I <laughs> think you're like, doing oh, great. <laughs> okay. I wanted to now go a little bit more in depth of your journey of founding this company. So you said you were actually drinking tea when you first thought a little bit about this idea. How did this actually start? Where did this research kind of come into place when you were on your trip? Yeah. So, um, you know, so what I, we literally brainstorm over a cup of tea and I was like, well, gosh, you look at this supply chain it's horrific. You know, we should look into this and I need to do some research on it. And of course I did, I started doing all that. And I realized that it is pretty, um, you know, a lot of these women tea pickers live in poverty. Uh, you know, they make about a dollar a day. They don't have any power whatsoever because there's no union type organizations there. So working conditions are so bad, you know? Um, and they just have no leverage to, to advocate for themselves. And so to me, even if I wasn't going to market or focus so much on my mission as a person, like I still, you know, I connect the dots and I didn't, I wouldn't want to start a business where any part of any stakeholder that's a part of getting the business to market is treated so unfairly. Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I always had that as a part of who we are in our DNA. But as I discovered all of this, I really just started calling people. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to call this ethical tea partnership organizations based in London. Why not? Of course, they're going to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got to have like the audacity and the just like, well, why not me? You know, there's always that, well, why not me? Like, why, why can't I do it? Of course I can do it. And so I just called them. I said, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Can you help connect me with someone that can that can help uh, me understand the industry and the supply chain and just the plight of these workers. And they um, introduced me to two folks, uh, but I actually did the research on the tea growing regions first. And Kenya is the third largest tea growing region in the world um, next to China and India, but it has the highest number of smallholder farms where I could do my work. It didn't make sense for me to go to like China or India because they're owned by multinational corporations and you mm-hmm. can't really right, do your work there. So I chose Kenya and they, they connected me with a woman that just helped me understand um, the supply chain. She set up meetings for me with, you know, these tea, tea workers. Um, and at that point, I was just trying to understand 
I knew I was going to bring a, a, a tea product to market. That part wasn't hard. Like that part, you know, if you can do the research and find information, get the right partners in place, you kind of understand the process that you have to take to get it going. Don't get me wrong. I've totally oversimplified that. There's like, <laughs> there's like, you know, <laughs> there's considerations around regulations and importing and who are you going to use to, you know, create your formula? Who are you going to use to make it? Like you've got to find partners that, you know, can make it in a smaller batch because you don't need to have six million cases produced like a Coke or something, you know what I'm saying? So that part, don't get me wrong, was difficult, but you can do it. I mean, it's, it just takes work, and you, but you can figure it out. But the other piece that was harder was developing the direct impact model, like the social impact model, because I was very sensitive about coming in as a, as a Westerner um, into an area and imposing what I viewed as, you know, the way forward mm -hmm. and so a lot of it was talking to them getting insight from them understanding what their issues were and their challenges were and if i could focus on one thing what could it be you know and had them sort of come up with their ideas around how this could work and so i was super excited about that um you know we 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 created the social impact model just based on my one or two trips to kenya um, talking to these, talking to these women, that was the hardest part. Cause you're dealing with human lives, you know, Go when ahead. did you, um, kind of, you were going back and forth on these different models. What made you decide that this was the right one for your business? Well, so I always tell people like, it's not, this is organic. Like it will change. It will change as we get more data. It will change as we get more insight about what's working and what's not working. Right. And so, um, so I want to always improve upon it. And I don't, I mean, there's going to be unintended consequences, I think, that come out of this social impact model. And people are like, well, are you okay with that? Like, you know, what if men get really upset and they're, you know, and I was like, well, I'm fine with that. Like, I'm very bullish. <laughs> like, I'm very bullish about that piece of it because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Because in Kenya, 95% of the land is owned by men it's passed down generationally to sons. So again, mm -hmm. if you're born with a vagina, somehow, you know, you get, you get left out of these life-changing, empowering assets. Mm -hmm. And so um, your question was, how did I land on the model? Is that what, what the question was? Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm rambling on and my questions <laughs> no this is perfect okay great um yes yeah, so um so it was so it was just really through 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 brainstorming talking to these women so we're first focused on um training and education because a lot of these women had to drop out of school like in elementary school so in Canada you have to pay to go to school in the eighth grade um so they couldn't, you know, can't afford it. They can't afford it for their kids. So, so training education is one piece of the, of the puzzle. The other piece is what I couch under community support services. And we're going to offer their kids scholarships to really try to break that cycle of poverty. Wow. And third, which is the largest is the access to land piece. Um, so like I said, you know, 95% of land is owned by men. Um, women don't have access to it, but when you get access to it, you can, you know, plant other cash crops, you have opportunities to make more money, you get access to credit. 
I mean, these are like very, very empowering types of things that could lead to so much more. Um, so we, we want to offer them access to land, which is economically very feasible for us to do that in our model. Um, Cause believe it or not, like leasing an acres worth of tea farm in Kenya, when I checked, it was like 500 and something dollars mm. for a year. So our portions of our sales go towards this whole program, which I'm calling Seed of Future initiative. You have so amazing. those are the three areas. Yeah. It's, I love it's the, the graphic also, if anyone wants to learn more about this on the website, there's a very great interactive graphic and wheel. You can kind of learn <laughs> about this full circle yeah. Um, yeah. impact. Where were you in your career in life at this time when you had started the company? Yeah. So I was... Uh, I'm trying to remember. I was like just 40, 41 when I started thinking about it. Um, we again had a daughter at the time. She was only three, my husband. And so um, what had happened was the consulting firm that I worked for, we had lost one of our larger clients or largest client. And I was like the managing director for two two service lines and in charge of that P&L. And that was a really tough um, tough hit for the agency or the firm, but it gave me the time to sit down and think through what I wanted to do. And I took the leap. I mean, once I developed the plan, you know, I raised uh, a round of uh, friends and family money, uh, which I'm so lucky that I even have access to family that has money that they can invest because there's lots of people who have great ideas for businesses and don't have access to the resources or the capital that they need. Cause real, let's be honest, it just, especially CPG just takes, takes a lot of money to, yeah. to run a CPG company. Mm-hmm. And I, even on the first episode, I also share a lot about the different various forms of ways you can raise money as a company. And the reason we connected is because of Stacy's rise project. Yeah. which is amazing. So congrats on that as well. Thank you. I was like super stoked. Well, stoked. Oh my God. My vocabulary, but super so excited when they told me that. I was so happy. Amazing. So next we're going to talk a little bit about more of these feelings of like just starting your company and kind of the progression of what it's become since it first started. So I just want to know, when were you the happiest or remember the best kind of feelings about the company while working on it? Honestly, the most happy is when, um, when I went back to Kenya, this is the second time, and we had met with a group of tea workers that had gone through our training. And although it brought a lot of tears, I was so happy. Actually, the, the tears were happy tears, but like I, we, you know, I heard from a group of them and we heard about, you know, what they, what they've done since and what changes they've made. And there was one story in particular that really, you know, moved me to tears to be quiet, and it was from a man. Um, it was, um, cause we both, tra- we train women and men and it's cause we have gender equity issues and you obviously need, we need everyone involved to make sure that, you know, uh, women get access to opportunities and have men understand how they obviously benefit as well. Um, but when, before he took the training, he, he told a story about how, you know, he would be sleeping while his wife got up at like three o'clock in the morning. So she would go fetch the firewood, the water, do the cooking, the cleaning, all of this unpaid work that has so much value, 
but doesn't get any sort of recognition, right? So by the time she was like done, she was so tired, but she still had to go pick tea. And her output was obviously affected because she had to do all this shit by herself. And so when he told me the story about how, you know, after he took the training and hopefully he still continued with this, but he started getting up with his wife. He started contributing. They started working on the family budgets together. She was able to increase her out, like her output in terms of the tea that she was able to pick. So making more money for the family. So to me, I got so emotional. I still get emotional about it thinking about it now because I mean, even if it's just one person in that kind of culture, you know what I'm saying? To be able to make that change was just so rewarding. I mean, still look at me, like still to this day, like so rewarding. And so, so I have to say that was probably the most, like the happiest. I'm always happy when I'm dealing with like the impact piece of the business, of course. And then, of course, you know, the impact part of the business wouldn't happen if I don't, you know, do well on selling the brand and selling the teas. And so when we get wins with accounts and I can see that, you know, our velocities are getting up to where they need to be. And, hey, some things are working in terms of our marketing. Like, because as a startup, that's what you're kind of doing. You're figuring out product market fit. Like, so what's working? And the reason why you don't go so big in the beginning is because it takes so much money mm-hmm. to grow a brand. And so why not take a subset, like our 14, 16 Whole Foods stores here in, in Dallas, like take that, prove out, right? Prove it out, like prove out what works and then scale that. So when those things are working, I get really happy too. But I'd have to say the social impact work is what makes me, is the most fulfilling for sure. That story is so special too, especially as a consumer packaged good. It's often very difficult to see the impact unless it's very inter- intertwined within your brand. And like yeah. when I, I have a fashion brand and I, the beginning of it, it was only clothing and then it's become other things because I'm so interested in the impact and seeing it with my own eyes. Right. That really helps, I think, extend your mission even further. For sure. And I think at the end of the day, like, at least for me, like, I feel like I have to have more motivation than just making tea. Because to be quite honest, when I started, I was like, God, who needs another tea brand? Don't need another tea brand. What you need is, you know, a brand that has the ability to drive change in the world that I can get behind. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm driving change in multiple ways. I mean, you can think about it from a health perspective and bringing this new tea to market, but also from the work we're doing on the ground with the tea workers, I think who doesn't want to get behind that? Yeah. Some people, but you know. More that do want to get behind it. Way more. I think so. What, think when so. you speak about the health benefits, I want to get back into this purple tea a bit. What is purple tea? How did you discover it? And what are some of these benefits? Yeah, so... I discovered it on my trip to Kenya. I really didn't know anything about it. The lady was like, hey, we got this thing called purple tea. And I was like, shut up. Like, what is that? Um, And I got so excited. Uh, So purple tea, the leaves are actually purple. So if you think of a green tea bush, it's the same uh, species like the Camellia sinensis, but but it's a different cultivar. So the leaves are purple. The leaves are purple because what they had recognized or noticed in Kenya was that some of their green tea bushes were turning purple and they were super concerned because tea is their largest economic driver. 
in that country. Um, and so they started doing the research, I started studying, and they realized the leaves were turning purple because um, it was producing anthocyanins to protect itself from the UV rays. And so anthocyanins, again, say anthocyanins, that, say anthocyanins, that five times. Anthocyanins. <laughs> right, right. Um, is powerful antioxidant food. It's blue, purple, reddish color. So um, that's how I discovered it. So the so purple tea has like up to 50% more antioxidants than green tea. I mean, green tea is already a powerhouse in terms of health benefits, but even more so. And then it has 42% less caffeine um, than green tea. But it also has an additional health property that no other teas have. And I think this is the really unique part about it is it's called GHG. So it's linked to like fat burning and metabolic issues. And mm. I'm all for that. Like with my, <laughs> with my shelter in place diet. Oh my God, it's been <laughs> so bad. So I need a little bit of this GHG, but um, so it's really unique, you know, it's really unique. It's different. The taste is a bit more, I would have to say it has floral undertones. So it's very different from green tea. So green tea is, you know, pretty grassy. So this has like floral kind of earthy undertones. And then you add additional flavoring with it for your different flavors? Yeah. So the bottle tea is like, we make it at scale, but we make it the way you would make tea at home. So we mm -hmm. brew real tea leaves in like a large, you know, tank. Um, and then we add, uh, we have some flavors that are plain like a plain unsweetened and then a plain sweetened where it's just sweetened uh, a little bit with with uh, sugar and then um that's it yeah and then we'll add we'll add other flavors if it's a mint we'll add a mint flavor if it's you know watermelon mints it's watermelon mint. so mm -hmm. but it's very clean the label is like there's only three or four ingredients per bottle wow when you have or let's say you're coming out with a new tea or you in the past, you've had any of these big wins. Is there anything that you do to kind of celebrate these wins or any rituals to always experience this joy for your company? That is such a good question. And gosh, thank you for asking that because I, I we don't, but we should, um, you know, I always think it's a journey and right now the team is so small it's like me and one other guy full-time i have some part-time you know folks uh, that help on other um areas of the business but 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 we should so i think i'm gonna have to implement something so we so so we don't i think it's because you you're always and this has a lot to do with my background and might have a lot to do with the fact that I'm just so hard on myself. Like it's, I don't know if it's just an Asian trait or something or, or being raised by Asian parents or something, but like nothing was ever good enough. You know what mm. I mean? And so even if we won something, we would acknowledge it and we would celebrate it. And I would, you know, great job. This is amazing. But it was always like, what's next? Yeah. And they're like, holy cannoli lady. Like, can you, can you just like, you know, stop for a second and enjoy and, I should do a better job of that for sure. It, it's something I'm constantly thinking about, which is why I asked as well. And even small things I've done recently is just journaling about these small wins. Maybe no one else sees this, but it's, it's, it's something I can reflect on and really look yes. back at those smaller things too. And be like, wow, this is awesome. And it, and it helps propel the work. I'm so glad that you're doing that. I think that it's so important for other entrepreneurs to hear that is like, sometimes you can't, even though you're focused on some big things, it's really the small wins that get you to the big thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And so, and then we, we forget, we forget about them because we're so entrenched in the day-to-day battle of building a business that you don't appreciate it. So yeah, mm-hmm. you should definitely, it's good that you do that. Yeah. I'm going to do that. That's a good tip. <laughs> With the future and you talk about this vision of constantly going forward, what is in the future for Purpose Tea? Well, so I obviously want to democratize purple tea. Um, we want to own it, meaning like we want to be synonymous with purple tea. When you think of purple tea, I hope you think of purpose tea. Um, so for us, it's just ex- obviously expanding um, our footprint in the United States. And we're actually, uh, it's funny, we're in Bermuda now. Someone had reached out and was like, hey, I really want to bring this into Bermuda. And I was like, wow. Bermuda? Okay, <laughs> why not? And then, um, and then internationally too. So, so we have some very ambitious uh, plans because if we're able to do that and do that well, the bigger the impact we're going to be able to make um, for, for our women. And as COVID kind of has disrupted everything, I'm curious, yes. did your, was the online um, presence <clears throat> always there? Is it something that you're looking to accelerate or what's the future of even selling purpose tea in this climate? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. We had a plan of, you know, we had th- three channels that we're focused on. It was brick and mortar, like, you know, retail um, stores, which we're in. Food service, which is more cafes and delis and grab and go type places. Well, that completely like got shut down, you know, when there was a quarantine and shelter in place and that's slowly picking up again. So that has delayed our plans in that channel. E-commerce is interesting because I've always... Uh, believed pre-COVID that, you know, for a beverage brand, especially wearing glass bottles, I don't do plastic, we don't do any of that stuff. And um, so so pre-COVID, I always thought, well, we have to build awareness and affinity for the brand before someone's going to go online and be like, oh yeah, give me a 12 pack or because he was going to like order like one single bottle of tea, right? But I knew that that, the, that people were shifting. I mean, that was that was the shift that was happening in grocery. I think uh, food and beverage, it's, it was much slower than the other industries in terms of, because uh, I still like to pick my avocados and things like that. Mm-hmm. But with COVID, it really accelerated that. So I had started the work December 2019 and putting the e-commerce piece together. And we had a very soft launch, didn't put any money, you know, against like the ad piece of it or launching it. And then COVID happened and I was like, well, gosh, we got to really accelerate this because people are at home and there's so many benefits to the tea. I mean, tea already has like viral and immunity, you know, benefits in general, but purple tea is just so healthy. So I was like, well, we really need to take advantage of this time because in crisis, there's opportunity, you know? And so we uh, shifted a lot of resources to online and have a, you know, our digital marketing plan, you know, put together and executed, putting ad dollars against, um, against promoting the website. So we've seen a good, you know, 50 to 700% like growth month over month, even for people who don't, don't know us, you know, we're willing to try us, um, buy 12 bottles of tea. (laughs) That's awesome. And that's so special, especially during this time. I know. Can bring a lot of light into people's life. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. But yes. For the future, as you chase these new frontiers for Purpose Tea, what is something that you want to turn back to personally? We talked about this harmony. What is something you want to really focus on? I mean, this business is all encompassing. 
um, and all facets of it will forever be that way for some time, you know what I mean? But I always, I think I'm always trying to be better about being present for my daughter and, you know, for my husband. I think uh, practicing yoga really helps me think about that and be in the moment and be present because it's not, your tomorrow is not guaranteed ever. So whatever I'm doing, I want to be able to give it 150%. So I always want to try to work on just being present, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever that moment is having dinner with my daughter, like don't look at my phone and don't be thinking about something else or don't figure out like your to-do list for tomorrow. Cause I do that. A lot. <laughs> like, yeah. I did that last night. I'm like, why am I doing this right now? <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm really, and that's a work and that's a work that you'll always, it's just a journey. So um, as we're kind of coming to an end, I wanted to really, you've shared so much value from your story and for anyone's wanting to get into entrepreneurship, there's just so much that you've shared about aligning with the mission and this focus on your past to really impact what you're doing right now and bring value to everyone around you. So I'm curious, do you have any advice for anyone who's just getting into entrepreneurship, even wants to start a business? Yeah, um, I think a couple of things. I think the biggest thing is mindset. I think mindset is everything. Um, having a growth mindset is the most important thing that you'll ever have as an entrepreneur because this is gonna be the hardest thing I this is the hardest thing I've ever done but I've the professional and the personal growth that has come from it has been amazing like I am so grateful like for the journey ups and downs especially the downs and that's what I mean about a growth mindset it's like even if something didn't turn out the way you wanted or if you viewed something as a failure or anything you can there's opportunity in that to figure out something better oh my formulations are terrible or oh, oh gosh i had like huge challenges with when we were making our teas like some of them were getting really overbrewed and it was like i then i figured it out i mean it was painful but we figured it out and we made changes and the product's much better. And, you know, so there's a lot of opportunity in things that you view as failure. So I think mindset is a very important thing for entrepreneurs and to be optimistic. But if you're an entrepreneur, you're most likely an optimist because <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> no way, you right? Um, and I think the second one is, you know, I think a lot of people, I always say this, like, don't let perfection get in the way of progress. And I, and, and this is really for my, for my, my women, my women entrepreneurs, I think we're so used to doing so many things and doing it. I don't know if it's an expectation or something, but it was just like getting it done perfectly. There, there's no such thing. So don't let progress get in the way. Um, I'm sorry. Don't let perfection get in the way of, of progress. So really it's all mindset in my, in my opinion, it's the most important thing. I love that. Thank you for sharing all that advice. Is there one, one final thing? Is there any resource that you've turned to for this harmony um, or for this element in your wellness journey? It's so important to have um, a strong support system. I, honestly, like I, there's not a day that goes by that I don't count my lucky stars because 
I have such an amazing support system. And would I be able to do this without them? You know what I mean? Like my husband who, good grief. I mean, the man is still with me, you know, he's still married to me. <laughs> so it's like, it's been a really painful journey. My sister, I mean, she, not only is she an, she's a huge investor and thank goodness she has the means to do it, but just the support that she's given me mentally and emotionally around oh you're doing amazing things just you just have to keep on you have to keep on going even though i tell myself daily all the time mm-hmm. it's nice to hear it you know from someone else who who believes in you so i think just having your support system surrounding yourself with people who believe in you that are also you know realistic you also want like honest feedback um you don't want someone blowing like smoke up your ass but (laughs) but having that supportive like you know network is so important when you build a business I mean I couldn't I mean I hear about founders and I hear about founder depression and I hear about people whose lives their families have been ruined because you know they're so ingrained in their business and it you know wasn't what maybe the partner had signed up for I mean I totally get it so so you know I mean just making sure that honest with those folks that are closest to you and you lean on them for support because you're gonna you're gonna need it and it's okay Mm -hmm. yeah support is incredibly important and it's helps expand so much of your vision your ideas if you know that you have this and also it it makes you think like as a as an entrepreneur how can I also support others and it creates that community as well yeah I mean I can't wait to get to the next stage of my entrepreneurship life because I want to help other women entrepreneurs i'm always there's always a women theme with what i do me too always good good so uh so after this i want to be able to help female entrepreneurs because i think we're missing out on a lot of great innovation and great services and products because we don't fund enough women Mm -hmm. or support them enough and i think you're already on that journey i think even just being here you're really sharing oh, so much thanks. value. Yeah, well, thank you. Sorry, I cried a little bit early. God, you know, I tell myself not to do that. <laughs> like, sometimes you can help it, you know? It's can't like you see. Can't see on the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you can hear it in my voice, but like sometimes you see it. I mean, you think about it and you're just mm-hmm. like, oh my God, that's like really compelling. I mean, yeah. for me, it was. Mm-hmm. I'm just an empath too. You know, I'm an empathetic <laughs> person. A great quality. Thank you for sharing all that. So we want everyone to drink Purpose Tea and support the brand. How can they find Purpose Tea? Well, I mean, they can go to my website, which is uh, PurposeTea.com, and you can order um, from there. We're also on Amazon, getting some kinks worked out there, but but you can always order through the website. And obviously, if you're in the markets that we have uh, product in stores, like Dallas, Fort Worth, and the LA, Southern California area, I'd love your support. Well, thank you so much for being here, Chi, on Series Z. Thanks, Shoshana. I appreciate it. This has been so fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to Series E this week with Chi's story and more about her mission and company called Purpose Tea. Please let me know what you think in a little review on Apple Podcasts. You're welcome if you want to, to rate Series E five stars. Oh my gosh, it would be so nice. No, but that would be awesome. And if you also want to support Series E, you can follow us on Instagram, Series E Podcasts. And if you're looking to reach me, 
you can reach me at Shoshana Swell on Instagram and everything will be linked in the show notes and also places where you can buy some purpose tea. And I want to thank you for spending your time this week with Series E and hope you go raise some of your own. Welcome back to Series E.